0: Mm -hmm. Ah. that can be fierce but it doesn't mean that it's mean it just means that you want to go the best that you want to go and crushing it is just for me it's just like doing your best
1: podcast junkies episode one two one Back from another week of traveling, which just in Austin, Texas, which is an amazingly awesome town. I was only there for a couple of days about a year ago and didn't really get to spend a lot of time seeing the sites. Not as much time this round either, but I was at an interesting uh, festival called the Conscious Media Festival. It was for uh, a new client that I'm working with and uh, is really, really fun, good food, good people. And I think I have to plan my next trip there soon because I, I think I, I need to probably spend about a week there. Not South by Southwest because I've heard that is bananas. So if you're new to the show, this is where I speak to amazing podcasters who happen to be friends of mine for the most part. And hopefully it comes through in the conversation because we just laugh and have a good time. and We chat for about an hour. They just happen to be podcasters who live amazingly interesting lives who I've met. And I just don't like cold conversations, as I scrunch my face when I say that, because you know, you can tell when you hear a conversation, it's not, not that it's not genuine, it's just that it it feels like forced, and I don't want any of my conversations to ever be forced, and I don't think I'll run out of amazing podcasters to talk to. I just met a whole boatload at Podcast. At PodFest, PodFest, I keep wanting to say podcast movement, sorry guys, didn't mean that, Uh, (laughs) PodFest, yeah, there's literally like six or seven, I just jumped on a uh, Facebook live with podcast junkies, junkies, if you don't know what that is, that's a Facebook group just for fans of the show, that's it, it's literally a Facebook group just for me to uh, show you the streets near my neighborhood where I walk my dog, because that's where most of them tend to be filmed. So I hope you enjoy those. If you're new to uh, the show, then you probably don't know that we're sponsored by Shure. This episode's sponsored by Shure Microphones, an amazingly cool company. I had a chance to speak to Soren Peterson. We had a great conversation about the history of the company. And uh, I'll play a little bit for you now. What's your official
2: title there? Uh, my title is product specialist. Um, I deal in the the wired category, so uh, specifically microphones. Uh, motive is kind of my baby, but we also manage the SM fifty eight and some of our other um, sort of stage and studio microphones, uh, including the SM seven. There, that's that's one of the ones that falls under under my group. Um, one of our one of our staples, of course. So uh, yeah, there's, we have we have a lot of microphones that sure has made over the years. Um, so it's it's takes a couple of years to get up to speed on all of them, but, uh, uh, in, in pretty deep these days, but yeah, wired product specialist. What's the count on total microphones? Do you know? It's in the hundreds. I don't know exactly what it is, but it is in the hundreds, especially when you get to our, uh, like, uh, our conferencing side of things or, you know, podium gooseneck microphones where there's, uh, different lengths and different color variations and like all sorts of, uh, you know, this one has a light ring and that one doesn't, there's just hundreds and hundreds of SKUs to, to get familiar with. So. What's what's the training like for <laughs> for new folks at shore to get up to speed? <laughs> oh, it's awesome! Yeah, it's awesome. It's half like what do you want to play with? You know what what are you familiar with? What's new? Uh, and they're they're super supportive about uh, you being able to take stuff home to learn it. I'm a recording engineer by nature. Um, I still run a little studio on the south side here, and um, so you know we have some some super expensive, um, just incredibly uh, incredibly good sounding like ribbon microphones and some of our really high end stuff that. Um, if you can get somebody to sign off, by, you can take it home. So I've been very lucky that uh, anything you can kind of scrounge up around the building, you can take home for a weekend and uh, and and play with it yourself. And that's the best way to learn about it, you know. So when I'm talking to somebody about like why I love the SM7 so much, I can be like, you know, try it here on the hi hat and do this to it, and like it's all coming from from personal experience, um, and that 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 helps.
1: So that's just a bit from almost a half hour long conversation we had, and and I. I'm tempted to release the whole thing because I was I just wanted to call him and get a couple of sound bites, but we just kept talking and his enthusiasm for the product is so clear. Thank you again for supporting them and for supporting me and for them supporting me. So this week we speak to Fabienne Raphael. She's the host of Marketing to Crush Your Competitors. And you would think what a podcast name like that that she's a super aggressive personality but it's quite the opposite she's really intelligent and a super smart businesswoman and was really impressed with everything that she's done with her show and uh, I we connected through Vernon Ross who is a super connector himself he was on an earlier episode of podcast junkies and I actually saw Vernon at Podfest a couple of weeks ago so of course, when, when people like Vernon introduce other people to me, I automatically take it at face value. They're, they're going to be awesome and amazing. And it was uh, definitely the case with Fabian. So, so this one's a bit shorter than usual, but I think you'll enjoy it. Stay with me to the end so you can hear the retention hashtag. It's my way of seeing who is paying attention. This episode is also brought to you by Podbean. Podbean has a very interesting and very easy-to-understand pricing, which is uh, great for new podcasters because a lot of times people don't know if they're going to be charged extra for hosting and if they're just getting started, a lot of times they want something simple. And podcasting, last time I mentioned it was prices as low as $9. They actually have a $3 a month plan. That's if they bill you annually. And they also have a $9 a month plan, which is... um podcasting which is the unlimited version which is what i was referencing because the three dollar has 100 megabyte per monthly storage and bandwidth limits but i met uh jennifer from uh podbean as well at podfest and she's an amazing amazing person who supports them from a social media perspective so it's a great start check them out head on over to podbean.com slash podcast junkies one word and that way they'll know that i sent them your way so if you're new brand new Uh, please uh, give them a try. They're they're a really good supporter of the show and I really like what they're doing. So enjoy the interview. How's your Thursday going so far?
0: Pretty good, actually. Yes, yes.
1: Are you one of those people that uh, schedules out like your calendar where you know what you're going to do on certain days of the week? I know some people like to theme their days as well. So which camp do you fall into?
0: Uh, I wish I could theme my days, but I don't theme my days. Um, The only... Like the, the days that are really organized and I know I won't change them. I, I have an accountability partner and we talk every Thursday morning. So this is like non-negotiable. Like There's always that. And then the rest of the time that is very much planned is three times a week. Uh, 5.30 in the morning, I get up because I go to the gym. And while I do my coffee every morning, I either read or I write in my journal. So these don't change. And then the rest of it, well, it depends what I'm working on and how I make the project progress. And uh, yeah.
1: I think we meet these people that seem to get so much done in the span of a week and they seem to be super productive with their days. And I think that what's been helpful for me and why I asked this question is because I've noticed that when there's empty spaces on my calendar, they sort of fill up with things that are probably not important. So I've been getting into the habit of putting those slots in there and saying, I'm gonna work on this thing. And I've been working like a Pomodoro type 50 minute burst because I feel that's most effective. Was there a point or someone that helped you understand the importance of having a a bit of organization? Because you do mention that you've got those accountability days and those times when you do want to get to the gym. Is that something you learned over time or just by trial and error?
0: Uh, Actually, it's uh, my my partner is also my business partner. And uh, we actually go to the gym together. So it really, really helps when you get up and someone else is going with you. Um, And then I don't remember which book he was reading. And he read that in a book because a lot of people have struggled with creating habits in their lives. And they think that they have to wait for the motivation, which is not necessarily true because motivation dies at a certain point. And if you haven't made it a habit for you, then when you're not motivated, you'll just let it go and you won't accomplish your goals like towards that activity, for example. So he had read in this book that Before starting to install a new habit in your life, you have to ask yourself, okay, so am I the type of person that can go to the gym three times a week? Then you're like, yes or no. And if it's a no, well, maybe you should find another activity that would fit better for you. But if it's a yes, then okay, so at least like first step, you are the person that could go to the gym three times a week. Great. Okay. So therefore, the other thing is you can do it but when are you going to do it and at which time every day you're not doing anything else that you would have to go to the gym and for us it was really early in the morning cuz our days are not necessarily planned the same way me and my partner and it was the only time that we really had together and that we could fit in the gym that's how we integrated that into our lives and that's also how I decided that whenever I prepare coffee, I sit at the table and I either write or I read. So I'm sure that at least for those fifteen, twenty minutes every day, I, I read a book or I journal.
1: Sounds like uh your coffee connoisseur. <laughs> Yep. I was getting down that path of being a bit of a coffee snob. I read Tim Ferriss's book. I think it was The 4-Hour Chef when he talked about the AeroPress, and then I bought it, and then I was doing the pour-over for a while. I was really going down a coffee rabbit hole for a while. Now we've simplified it. We've got just the simple, um, I don't even know what it's called. It's the Italian one where you, by pressure. Espresso? Yeah, I guess it's by pressure of the boiling water, it comes up, and then it just sits there. I was wondering which camp you fall into.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, actually it's the, like I don't have any specific or special coffee maker. Like it's the ones that the majority of people have. So Yeah, I was even sus- Sorry, I'm, it was boring answer.
1: <laughs> no, I was even subscribing <laughs> to uh, I was getting beans sent to me and I had a coffee grinder and it was like it was like Really? Like, yeah, you were really, really into it. Yeah, it was a real rabbit hole and then the grinder broke and I didn't replace it and I was like, "Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> enough of that hobby." <laughs> <laughs> so you still drink coffee? Yes, I do.
0: I do. Okay. So, Well, I'm, I'm trying to quit now, actually, drinking oh, really? coffee. So I'm doing it for my partner and then I, I drink a big glass of water instead.
1: Yeah. I heard that's yeah. a really good thing. Uh, first thing you do wake up in the morning is uh, drink a full glass of water. It gets the pipes moving and it's a good way to start, especially since you've been going eight hours without drinking. I think a lot of people yeah. don't do that. And I find from um, brain function, I think a lot of times people don't realize they're dehydrated. And they're not drinking enough and it, they're getting this fatigue setting in during the day and they're wondering why their lips are dry. And I heard that as a goal you should try to drink I like, guess is a lot, but a gallon of water a day.
0: A gallon?
1: Yeah. I have this uh container here. I try to drink three of these a day. <laughs> so So? How good, are you doing so far? Good so far. I think it's a Yeah. Yeah. Now, instead of is that a pop, your first one? Is that the that, second one? This is the second one. So, yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> For, For those of you who don't see it, he just showed me his, his water bottle. Yeah, I think it's uh, 32
1: ounces or something like that. Yeah, 32 okay. ounces. Yeah. Okay. So, I told you we were going to go all over the map. Here. Nope. <laughs> I'm envisioning you and your partner on the treadmill side by side, like talking business and strategizing. Is that how it
2: works?
0: Nope. <laughs> Actually, nowadays, we just like, we go together and we don't necessarily do the same drills. We used to, but not anymore. So he listens to podcasting and I listen to podcasting, like doing my stuff. So it's actually time together, also for ourselves. I don't know if you get it, but like, it's kind of like that. Yeah.
1: I think the time to yourself in a relationship is one of the key things to making sure a relationship lasts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Totally agree with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think we all have our individual... Hobbies or passions, and I think if we don't have an outlet with which to be able to like express them, we tend to just fall into this pattern of like, oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And and we don't have this thing that really drives us. And I think that's important to maintain that sense of individuality, even if no matter how long you've been together in a relationship.
0: Yes, I think I I totally agree with you. And I, when we met, actually, I was training a lot. I was on the national team for team handball. And then he was still playing soccer at a high level. He was doing a lot of soccer practices and I was doing a lot of team handball practices. So, And never did he ask me not to go to practice or, you know, to miss something in order to be with him or vice versa. Because we knew it was important for the other person. And I think it's part of making something work. It's to identify like, okay, what makes him feel good, like what makes him feel accomplished and what's his passion too? and make sure he expresses that also because or else it ends up in frustration. Yeah. Yeah. So I I truly believe that this is part of uh, freedom. Like everybody needs their own freedom, of course. Well, everybody wants to be loved and have a partner and all of that. But I think in a couple, it's important also to yeah, to have your own stuff. Yeah, I've always
1: been troubled by the people who have this romantic notion of you complete me, which means that you're missing something, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I always, I've always thought you need to be a whole person and two holes, I think, just make for a, a better pairing. So
0: Yes, yes. You made me think of the movie uh, Jerry Maguire
1: you completely <laughs> that put that phrase into the lexicon and i think probably did a detriment because people who felt like they were missing their other half now were are using that phrase and that movie as, <laughs> as a means to justify
0: <laughs> it's so, one of my favorite movies by the way that's
1: yeah, a good movie it's a lot of fun yeah i love it um <laughs> we were connected through vernon ross yes i'm wondering if you could tell the story of how you met that's
0: him crazy. oh it was at podcast movement in two thousand and fourteen. And actually at podcast movement, that first I think it was just the day before the conference or like yeah, when everybody arrived, whatever. This was the day that my podcast was accepted on iTunes. So for me it was a huge celebration. I was like, Oh my god, my podcast is live today and I was just telling everybody, whatever. And then um the conference ended and I had seen Vernon walking around a few times. And, you know, we kept saying hello and everything. And then it was like the last, I think it was Cliff Ravenscroft giving the last speech, the last keynote. And then he was about to speak. And I was like, hey, like, we haven't had the chance to connect or to speak. And then Vernard said, yes. So we exchanged emails or we connected on LinkedIn, I think. And then we're like, well, let's take some time to connect afterwards. And that's how it happened. And he became one of my good friends. Yeah that's how it happened.
1: Yeah, that's how Vernon is. He's a really great guy. Yeah. (laughs) So you're up to 236 episodes. So congratulations. Yes. Thank you. How many ideas did you go through before you landed on the topic marketing that you decided to go with?
0: It's funny because um, before starting my podcast, I had a blogging coach because I wanted to improve my writing skills. And on a call, he told me, well, you know what, Fabian?" He said, you should start your podcast. I was like, oh, really? So it would be great if I knew what a podcast was, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, did some research and registered for a tutorial, got everything about podcasting and decided to go for it. But then I was like, well, I wanted to do an interview-based type of show. And then I also wanted to connect with influencers when I was starting and I was very much motivated. Yes. And I stayed motivated for a while, but I really wanted to reach out to people that a lot of people don't dare to reach out to when they start just to prove that it's possible. Right at the beginning, when I decided to to launch it and after the, the tutorials that I've taken, Johnny Dumas was my podcast coach. So having John and then asking him to introduce me to some people, then it really helped. But not only with his help, but also like some people he didn't know and I knew were influencers. I still dared to go for it and see what happens. And that's how I was able to connect with a lot of key players and a lot of great people that I learned a lot from. And a lot of them became my friends or people I collaborated with in some projects. Some of these people are in groups I'm in. I mean, it's crazy what podcasting opens as doors for you when you take the time to nurture those relationships. So I'm very grateful for that. And like, I really wanted to make it an interview based show because I love to connect with people. And yeah, I, I don't regret that.
1: Before the podcast, did you have experience interviewing?
0: I was in a private school for radio and television hosting. Uh, I had had a television show here in decoration. I had a home staging business in another life. (laughs) So uh, I co-created a TV show with someone else and it was on television for a few years. And then after that experience being on television, I was like, you know what? I really love that media. I love the television media. I love the radio and all that stuff. And I decided to invest in myself and go to that school and have like more knowledge into talking on the mic, interviewing people, um, make chronicles, talk about certain subjects, being comfortable talking in front of the camera or behind the mic. When I started podcasting, at least this for me was not necessarily totally new, but I was still freaking shy. I mean, if you listen to episode one there, it's awful. I scripted it the whole way. And I'm talking about myself, talking about my story, why I started the podcast, but I'm still reading a paper. I mean,
1: I don't know. It's it's (laughs) pretty common knowledge that every podcaster does not like their their first episode, does not like the sound of their voice. And I think what we forget sometimes is the sooner we start, the more we can see the improvement. So our 10th is better than our first, our 50th is better than our 10th, and your 200th is better than your 100th, right? And I think we just learn and we'd have... You know, to the point where we, you can feel the comfort level that you have. and I mean, you're having repeat guests. I think uh, you had Danny Ine on as a second-time guest now recently. Yes. And, and you, now you're establishing relationships. And I'm sure even just between those two interviews, you can probably sense that in the first time, you're just getting to know him. And now it' come on as more of a relationship there. And you can hear that in the quality of the conversation.
0: Absolutely. So that's why I'm so excited when someone comes back on this show because I always say they're like Hall of Famer. On my show and they're all excited about it and i am too because uh the thing is they bring value and as you say we've nurtured something along the years and it's worth it for them to come again on the show and it's my pleasure so really appreciate that and if i go back to uh when you were saying people just have to start and practice behind the mic and then they become more comfortable they find their own voice and they own their style and they're not copying other styles anymore. When I started, since I wanted to reach out to so many people within the 31st days, I did like something like 70 interviews. And for me thinking about it now, that was not a good idea because 70 within 30 days was like crazy. First of all, it was stressful. I was getting better, but like there's a certain point also you can improve within a certain period of time. So I wish I had put those interviews maybe within like three months or two months instead of one, because afterwards I was stuck with, let's say one interview I did, and then I was still stuck to publish it, but I knew I, I sounded better. But then again, I had canned these interviews before, so I had to publish them I don't uh, recommend to anyone right now, if they're starting a podcast and they're not used to talk behind the mic, to just go for it for 50 in a week. You know, I don't think it's worth it. I think time does its work also. And you have to give yourself some time.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of a maturity process that needs to happen. You mentioned that you got coached by John Lee Dumas, and he is the batching king, if you will. (laughs) So you probably don't (laughs) want to try to follow his example because you'll just burn out. And I saw him last year, podcast movement. I thought he was intense because he was doing eight episodes in one day for a week. And then he told me, I've got a new strategy. I do 15 in a day for two days, and that takes care of my whole month. And I was just like... Wow. As if he wasn't already having the bar high, he just continues to send even <laughs> higher and knocks out a month's worth of episodes in two days. <laughs> but I mean, that's why, you know, one of the reasons why he's so successful. <laughs> yeah. Um. I want to talk a little bit about the name of your show. And uh-huh. I'm wondering if there's maybe a way to tie this all together because it's called Marketing to Crush Your Competitors, which is a pretty <laughs> aggressive title. <laughs> but when you mentioned early on that you played professional sports, you played on or you played on a handball team. I'm wondering yeah. if that ties in together. Is there a competitive nature to you? And is that something that you were instilled with early on?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm very competitive. Whenever I play something, I play to win. Except if let's say I have no freaking experience in that sport or in in that thing. And then I give myself the learning curve, but I always want to be the best that I can be. So yes, being competitive is a part of who I am. But about the marketing to crush your competitor's name, it came out again from that blogging call with my blogging coach. And we're talking about it. And the choice was we should put a title that is results oriented or that would say clearly what it's about and also a title that people would not forget. And it's never happened that I say that my podcast is marketing to crush your competitors and that people don't remember it afterwards because it's easy to remember and it's like, okay, so I understand the thing with the aggressiveness. I'm not like that at all. I can be fierce, but it doesn't mean that it's mean. It just yeah. means that you want to go the best that you want to go. And crushing it is just, for me, it's just like doing your best. It's not necessarily like hitting people and go like wrestling uh, <laughs> MMA. wrestling moves there. Like that has nothing to do with that. But uh, yeah. yeah, just like giving your best and crush it in your business. That's what I mean. Have you had
1: a chance to speak to Lewis Howes? Yes, I saw him live. Yeah. The reason I asked is because, you know, he's handball, right? He plays Yes. Handball, and I'm wondering if yeah. you two talked, it would be interesting to have a conversation, not about marketing, but about handball, because a lot about of About team
0: handball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so maybe you should uh, line that up. <laughs> well, I mean, for the benefit of the listener, and to your credit, I know that the intro for your podcast talks about the um, viewing, marketing, and you mentioned something along the lines of financial, spiritual, and emotional. Yes. Uh, aspects of it. So I think that rounds it out. So people <laughs> people hear the title, but then I think when they hear that in the intro, it does paint a picture that you're really looking at things from a holistic perspective.
0: Exactly. And I also make it specific to what's the expertise of the guests I'm talking to. And it has happened that I have not necessarily invited people that are very strong in marketing in my show. But just to get another view or another idea of, okay, so how did they make it happen, even if they didn't have like all those marketing skills or the high end or the last ones that people are applying. And I've had authors. Lately, I interviewed Greg McKeown from uh, the book Essentialism. I'll publish it in a couple of weeks there. But this was awesome. And we didn't talk about marketing. We talked about the book. We talked about the concepts of going down to what's essential in life. A little bit like the conversation we were having when we started this interview, how you should prioritize or see what's your focus and then put all your energy into only that so you can achieve it the fastest possible. We had a beautiful conversation and we never talked about marketing the whole time.
1: Yeah, I think that speaks to being present in the moment and engaging in the person with what they're giving you at that time because Mm -hmm. in the beginning podcasters get really nervous and they want to focus on their questions and then just race through and then skip over some key points they may have mentioned or give you like a thread to kind of pull apart a little further because the listener is paying attention and they're saying well fabian and harry are talking about this topic and how come he just skipped what she just said about Essentialism or the importance of essentialism. Let's dig a little further there. So I think it's always being cognizant of the fact that there is that third person that's joining us in this conversation and it's you, the listener, and being aware of that. Because when we do our podcast, not only do we want to speak about the subject matter that we're interested in, but just as a matter of having for yourself 200 plus conversations. you tend to learn a lot. And I'm wondering if there's some highlights that come to mind about something you've learned from a marketing perspective that stands out and you know that pops into your head.
0: What I learned is that your personality is important. So I know that a lot of people talk about this word, authenticity all the time, being yourself, finding your voice. And some people struggle with that. Okay, so who am I? Or why should people listen to me or should I just do like Harry does, for example, and then I'll see, I'll figure it out. Maybe by copying or I won't say copying, but modeling someone, then maybe I could find my own voice at a certain point. But along the years of podcasting and all these episodes, I realized that people who listen to the podcast or people who are following me and hearing my message are people who generally appreciate the person I am. So we share the same values. And of course, I care about sharing great content with my audience, but it has nothing to do with me trying to be someone else. And I think that sometimes it's the mistake that we do when we start. And I had to go through that phase, me too, because when I started my podcast, it was like, questions. And I had like maybe 10, 12 questions. And I had to go through all of them. And I was barely listening. And everybody would fit into the same thing there. Until there's a guest that was on my show, which I never published this episode, because it was very uncomfortable for me and for the guests. But she told me like, wait a minute, she's like, these questions like they don't apply to me. Or you haven't done your research properly. Because I mean, this one, I can't answer that. It has nothing to do with what I do. Mm. And at the end, she was like, well, maybe you should like be more prepared and have more research into your guests and have specific questions because this is what will separate you from the ordinary ones and the outstanding podcasters. I was like, "Oh, oh, my God. And there was another guest also that he was not as direct, but he told me, you know what, when you're thinking about your next question, sometimes you're not thinking about what the person is telling you. And a huge thing about being a great interviewer is to be able to listen and dig in or go deeper into a subject that you heard might interest the person listening to your podcast right now. And Out of that, I learned that listening is so much important. And of course, I prepare extremely well for each of my interviews. I have a bunch of topics I want to go into, sometimes a couple of questions that I thought of, and I would love to have my guest's opinion on it. But if I only have time to go through like three or four, because we get into something else, because what the person said was so interesting, I know my audience want to know more about this and that then fine. It's still a great interview. I'm done. And I still have asked, let's say three out of the 12 questions I thought I would ask, but it's still a good interview because I listened and I took care of giving a great show and giving great value to my audience. The biggest things I learned is be yourself when you're communicating, when you're expressing your message, even in your marketing pieces, like always has to be a part of you in it. You can't just model and copy. It's not going to work out for you. It might work for other people, not for yourself. And then the second thing is to listen, not only when you're giving interviews as a podcaster, but also when you communicate with your audience because they will give you feedback. And it's your duty to listen to them to make sure you serve them the best that you can.
1: If we cover those topics every single interview, I think we wouldn't be hearing it enough, especially because there's new podcasters who just get so overwhelmed with all the different aspects they sometimes lose focus on what is the most important thing and it's the fact that you've been able to get a connection with a person and for you know anywhere from half an hour to an hour and and you know make the most out of it you may not get that opportunity again and you never know what'll happen if you actually pay attention and make a one-to-one connection with a person even if you asked one question and they just dove deep on that question for the hour that would be fantastic
0: exactly totally <laughs> agree with you
1: who continues to inspire you as an interviewer
0: I like Andrew Warner's style. He always gets into asking questions that nobody else can ask. Questions that make you as a listener squirm sometimes because he's like, Did he really <laughs> like <ask them?"> almost <laughs> uncomfortable, but like <laughs> but still he has a way to ask and then people open up and they just talk mm-hmm. about it. And of course, like not necessarily in the podcasting world, but Oprah, because she always gets the best out of someone by also staying herself and shining herself too. And I think that's the sum of a great interviewer. It's not only to make the guest sound good or be good or shine on your show, but also show that you're the owner of your show. And it's because of you that they're there. And it's because of you that you have this huge audience and you have a message to share too. So I think it's a platform where you have to share. And sometimes... I think as beginners, podcasters sometimes forget that it's their platform and they have to take their place also. Maybe they're too shy, stuff like that. But along the way, we see it's mostly like we're doing today. It's mostly a conversation because I'm not the one speaking all the time. You talk also and it's okay because you have your experience also and you have your point of view and you want to bring value too. So I think that's the most important thing.
1: I've been really into... uh... Alec Baldwin, Here's the Thing podcast, because he interviews some older people who've been in business for a long time. He interviewed Carol Burnett. He interviewed Chris Rock. And he just has a way of talking, a really smooth voice. And But I always pay attention to the questions he asks. Every once in a while, I get a gem. And obviously, Tim Ferriss has been improving a lot lately in terms of the quality of questions he asks. And it really comes down to the question, because Mm -hmm. if you ask the right question, it'll prompt the guests who have that moment where they tilt their head and they're like, hmm. (laughs) So uh, I know we're getting close to wrapping up. I got a a couple more for you just changing gears a little bit. Okay. What what have you changed your mind about recently?
0: Ooh, probably caffeine. (laughs) I'm trying to get rid of it.
1: (laughs) Is there a specific reason?
0: No, I don't know. It just happened like that. I've tried it, I think, once or twice and always came back to it. I don't know. This seems to be the right time.
1: Is there a belief or something you're trying to achieve behind that choice?
0: I don't think so. But I know that I'll be pretty proud of myself if I'm able to live without it. So it's been maybe five days. It's very recent. (laughs) So (laughs) I'll let you know in a couple of months there. (laughs) If I don't go back into it. (laughs)
1: Well, the biggest thing with that is because I think people don't realize that there's an addiction component to it and there's a withdrawal. When I've done like uh, detoxes, the first thing that I notice is the headache that comes from going (laughs) two days without caffeine. So that should tell you something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: What's the one most misunderstood thing about you?
0: People don't believe me when I say I'm pretty shy. I'm totally introvert. Like if I have a choice of, Staying home, read a book or watch my favorite decoration show and go out at a party or a huge meeting where there's going to be like 50 people, probably stay home. (laughs) And it's funny because I'm such a connector. I'm such like when I'm out at events or when I speak on stage, people come to me. I go to people, I talk, I connect, and I'm driven by that. But it seems like I need to have that quiet time. And sometimes like it it could be alone. I was the type of person that could go see a movie by myself or go to the restaurant by myself because I enjoyed it. Some people don't get that alone at the movie theater. Like, (laughs) who are you going to talk to during the movie? I'm like, well, we don't talk during movies. (laughs) Most people don't. That's right. Then people forget that. (laughs) Anyway. So I think people are usually surprised when I tell them I'm the shy person. You don't
1: have to be the social butterfly, and I think there's a yin and the yang. If you're the person that's talking to people all the time, you're going to the conferences, you can't sustain that because you'll just get burned out and you need some time to reset, so I totally see where you're coming from there. Thank you for understanding me. With all the things that you've accomplished so far, how are you feeling? I know a lot of times we think about our lives in this like scale of like what we want to accomplish in our lives and we want our lives to have meaning, and I wonder if you think about that question, and how you would answer it at this point of where you are in the stage of your life.
0: I'm quite proud of the road I've done. Every year I could say that I've evolved in a certain way, and I never give up with learning more about myself, about others, reading or listening to people that have more wisdom than me, and try to change stuff to make my life better. So today I can say I'm a happy person, and, I have not always been happy in my life, but I know I could say it now because I chose to be and I made everything that was in my power to make that change. And I think that we all have the power to do that, but sometimes we don't allow ourselves to go and find the right people to help us or the right books to inspire us or the right methods to relax or take time for ourselves. And I would say that, yeah, I'm happy for the road that I have done. And that's why I would say nowadays people I attract are all positive people that I really enjoy. And it's as if when you make that shift, only good things happen.
1: So talk about that law of attraction, but it just really comes from shifting that circle of people that you associate yourself with. Because if they're achievers and, and they're go-getters and they're inspiring, who doesn't want to hang out with people like that? Because they'll inspire you and then eventually you'll pull in into your orbit people that want to be like you. So I think it's you know just a, a give and take and, and I think you're definitely on the right path. So for the benefit of the listener, they can't see the video, but you have this amazing bookshelf <laughs> behind you with the words inspire on the top and a couple of hundred books. So she's walking the walk and talking the talk. She obviously <laughs> does read a lot or maybe just Fabian just collects books and
0: She's faking them. No, actually I read. I don't read as much as my yeah. business partner, but I read. So out of all the books there, maybe I've read 30 40 percent of them and he's done like 60 70 75 let's say i'm more 25 he's 75 got it so what i love about this though is that we share a lot so if you read something that i haven't read yet well he can share it with me and you know we help each other into our own businesses so
1: well, Fabian, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on. I'm really happy. I know we had a couple of scheduling <laughs> challenges. <laughs> I'm always happy at the way the paths lead to these connections on the show and is obviously through Vernon. You know, when you find someone who's a good person, they're usually a good judge of character. So. Immediately when he said you should connect, I don't think twice about it. And I said, I know Vernon and I know the people Vernon associates himself with. And I know that I've had a good interaction with him. So like right away, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And 99 times out of 100, it turns out to be a great connection and a great new friendship. And so I'm happy um, we got to know a little bit more about you. And for people to see and be motivated by what you're doing with marketing to crush competitors, I think it's obvious that you're still going strong. You still have passion for what it is that you do. And it seems you have a passion for everything you put your heart into. So I'm really glad you came to share your story.
0: Thank you. It was so great. I love your show. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah. So
1: where's the best place for folks to track you down?
0: They could go at marketingtocrushyourcompetitors.com. And if they go there, what they'll get is a free gift, 27 simple marketing strategies to help them grow their online business for the next six months. So marketingtocrushyourcompetitors.com. Easy.
1: Thanks again. Spoken like a true podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have a fantastic day.
0: Thank you. You too.
1: So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Fabian Raphael. It was funny to hear a handball reference. I did not expect that. And she, and then she mentioned, uh, or I mentioned Lewis house cause he's been on the U S handball team, but I think it speaks to this aspect of her being competitive and what she does. And I, I don't think that's a problem if you do it in a way that doesn't come across as aggressive or mean-spirited. And there's nothing about Fabienne that would fall into any one of those categories. So I'm glad she got to share her uh, her motivating way of conducting her business um, and doing it in a way that really aligns with who she is as a person. This episode is brought to you by Shore. Don't forget to head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash shore to see my current setup and then to get some more information on the Motive line of microphones. Hopefully you enjoy that conversation with Soren at the top of the show. Helps to give a bit more context and add some personality so that you see that it's not just a, a name. There's people behind it who are really passionate about what they do. And don't forget also to support our episode sponsor, podbean.com slash podcast junkies. We are a member of Podcastica. Check out the new shows, new site in the works, podcastica.com. Welcome again to A Face Project, Natalie Jennings, host and previous Podcast Junkies guest. So tune in next week. I have a conversation with Chris Curran of Podcast Engineering School. And this is the first in a wave of interviews that came out of PodFest. So I'm really looking forward to those conversations. They're going to be a lot of fun because I had a lot of fun with those people and we're going to continue to have a lot of fun on these uh, podcast junkies chats. So the retention hashtag for this week in honor of Fabian is going to be hashtag marketing crush, marketing crush. All one word. You can tag myself, podcast underscore junkies and Fabian at Fabian Raphael. That's one word. It's spelled a little bit differently. It's F-A-B-I-E-N-N Raphael, R-A-P-H-A-E-L. So the only thing that's missing is the E after Fabian. So our Twitter, it, again, it's Fabian Raphael with no E after the Fabian, all one word. Hopefully that wasn't too complicated. And, uh, yeah, just post it. And let us know that you are paying attention. I think that's it for this week. Music is provided by Cedar and Soil. Check out cedarsoil.com. He's got some really fascinating, fascinating music. I'm telling you, if you guys haven't checked it out, check him out. He writes his own stuff and sings and it's just amazing. And I'm just honored to call him my friend and just was lucky enough to have taken a mastering class with him where I was telling him about the podcast and he offered to do the intro, the now famous intro for Podcast Junkies, almost three years strong. Take care, have a fantastic day and thanks for all your support, guys.